0: cool so i'm just um i'm gonna pray again really quick for myself and for teaching and i'll pray for you guys and then we are going to jump into god's word so lord jesus i need you jesus i pray you'd speak through me and lord that we would all including myself uh, be ready to receive your word And Lord, that we, uh, as I was teaching my daughters this week, Lord, that we wouldn't be, like it says in the book of James, just hearers of Your Word and in so deceiving ourselves as we walk away, but that we would be doers of Your Word and be Your children. So Lord, um, I just pray that You would help us to be doers of Your Word, that You would help it to penetrate our hearts and speak to us. And Lord, we know that that is on us. We need to be the ones that plow up the fallow ground of our hearts, the soil that sits there. And get rid of everything else, Lord, to allow your word to come in and and grow a crop that 10, 20, 100 fold. Lord, that you would do that in us. And that we would allow you to, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So last week uh, we were talking about obedience, if you remember. And um, we were talking about how Joshua, who was, you know, when you read about Joshua, even back uh, when we first meet Moses, and then, and then we're first introduced to Joshua, you see a young man at that time. Uh, we are reading about an old man at this time, in the book of Joshua, at the end of Joshua, we're reading about years and years and years of him leading God's army for mostly victories, over and over and over again. So we're not just reading about your average guy. But guys, like the Bible tells us, we're not reading about superhumans either. Do you guys know that? Like when we read, you know, like when I read about King David, or I read about Peter and John, there's something that people commonly say to me, well, why does the Bible point out their failures too? It's because the Bible is telling us that they were real people, just like you and me. Real people. So what was the difference? The difference was that they were obedient, obedient to the Lord, and they allowed the Lord to use them. In other words, in a New Testament way, I would say this, that they allowed themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit, and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because I'll tell you what, as you live a Christian life, as you, uh, when you say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins, I believe on the work that You have done on the cross, all of a sudden, things in your life will fall before you. And if you are a normal human being, there's, there's going to be two choices. Either give up or grit your teeth and bear it. But there's a third choice to us that is given to us, right? Because I'll tell you what, human determination can get you through a lot of things. Do you agree with me? I mean, you read these stories where someone was determined, and they did something, and you're just like, wow, they did that? Guys, in my life, there have been things that I've been determined to do, and I've done them. But can I tell you something? It had nothing to do with Jesus. It was just human determination. And sometimes you could look out into this world and see Christians doing things, and you have to ask yourself, is God in it? Or are they just determined people? Right? Because that's, that's our problem sometimes. And sometimes I could walk away from something and be like, yeah, I did that for God. And then I'm all grumbling and angry inside because I was determined to do it. And the Lord's like, I would have helped you, but you wanted to do it alone right? When you think it's all about you and and your performance. Can I tell you something about this Christian walk? One thing I found out, it's not on your or my shoulders. It's not on our shoulders. A lot of times we sit there, and I do too, and I sit there, and I feel like a failure. Do you know why? Because I am. (laughs) Ta-da! I am a failure. I am human. I was born with sin in me. I'm sorry to shatter anybody's dreams about me. But I fail. But guess who doesn't fail? My best friend Jesus doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. But if you're caught today thinking that you are a failure, don't worry about it because it's not on you. It's not on your performance. It's not on what you can achieve. And guess what's even better? That when you get rid of that and you say, Lord, I trust in you. I need you. He will do things and he'll put it on your credit. So Joshua stands there with all of these victories behind him. But there's something that Joshua knows. I did not achieve these things. God went before me right? Because he knew, I failed. (laughs) Right? We even saw one of Joshua's, what people would call Joshua's failure, right? When they go and they take Jericho, they march around those walls, they are obedient. But there's one guy in the camp that is not obedient, right? And then they go to the next city, and the Lord does not give them victory. And it was a town that was less than Jericho. You guys remember what I told you about Jericho? It was a city with walls, but not just any walls. It had a double wall system. I've never taken a city. I don't know about you guys, if you've ever thought, you know, like maybe you guys are like barbarians or conquerors or whatever, but I'm not. I come from New York City. Now I live in Birmingham, right? I've never had to take a walled city with all my troops. All I think I have three troops and they're all girls. So um, I'm not taking any walled city anytime soon, but if you tell me that it's a double walled city, my imagination says, okay, that means double trouble, right? And it says, you know, they had a, a one wall, you'd go up the one wall and you'd come down and you'd just be in this void. And there'd be one wall behind you and one wall in front of you. Guess who's going to (laughs) die? Not the guys on the top of the wall. The guys in that void, right? So this is what they come to. And the Lord says, just listen to me. I will give you instruction. They march around seven days. And then, you know, everybody's probably asking questions, and the Lord brings victory. And the Lord says to them, don't touch anything inside that city. Any gold, silver, nice things, nothing like that. It is not for you to take. He doesn't tell them about the future, but he tells them, do not touch this stuff. Bring it to the treasury of the Lord. Right? But we're going to see that the Lord took care of them over those years. All right? So that you guys remember that. He told them don't touch anything in that first city, except for a guy named Aiken. Aiken touched the stuff and he took it and he didn't even spend it. He put it in a hole under his tent. And isn't it like that with stolen things, things that we shouldn't be touching. You don't even have the chance to enjoy them just in a hole. And he knew exactly where he put them. They were sitting in his mind and burning in his heart. He didn't even spend the money. He didn't even, you know, he said, man, I got a fancy robe. I saw this fancy robe, man. I just had to have it. And I, you know, we joked around, well, I joked around about it. And I was like, you know, guy walked around. I saw, you know, like when you see those uh, 10,000 pound suits just laying around, you know. I don't know about you guys, but you know, when I see 10,000 pound suits laying around, I just want to grab one, right? Nah, come on. And then he saw gold laying there. It was like 10,000 pounds worth of gold laying there. I mean, I'd be paying attention to that even more. And then he took it, he hit it in the ground, and then they go, and it was their only failure. They go to fight Ai, and the Lord says to them, there is sin in the camp. And Joshua does exactly what we should do. He goes back to the Lord and he says, what's going on? And the Lord's like, stop mourning Joshua, it's not you, it's somebody in the camp, and I will show you. And he shows them who it is, and it's Achan. Right? So they weren't to touch anything in there. So then we see that the Lord brings about great victory, the tribes are obedient, and now we're talking about those two and a half tribes that asked Moses for the land on the on the first side of the Jordan, where they were first before they entered the promised land. And the Moses had made a deal with them, and he said, you can have this land, but you have to help your brothers fight on the other side. And not until they get all their lands can you return. And they said, okay. And they fulfilled it. They were obedient. They did it. They fought for their brothers. And they were obedient. And then Joshua, this great commander who the Lord has made great, and we see through the book of Joshua, that it says the Lord told him, you just go about being obedient. I'll work on your name and your greatness. Don't worry about it. You know, it reminds me, when I was little, when I was younger, my dad left, right? And I wasn't super young. I I was about 14 years old when he left. And I remember during that time, okay, I wore, my mom worked hard, and she had seven children, and we worked, we lived in New York City. And I wore, and it's not her fault, I wore the same pair of shoes for over a year. She didn't have the money. Imagine buying shoes for one child. Now imagine buying shoes for seven children. Right? And I know that at that time, she sold her jewelry to buy us shoes. That's what my mom did. Right? Because she wanted to take care of her children. But that year, it snowed like crazy in New York. Right? And there was something that our dad had taught us and our mom had taught us to be industrious. So we went out there and we shoveled snow. And I'm talking about, this is like the mid-90s, man. I'm getting paid $40 a house. I'm making money for a kid. And I remember that I worked so hard because I saw a pair of Nikes in the store, right? I passed by and I would look at them all the time. They were my first pair of, there was a player named Anthony Hardaway, right? I had the first pair of Hardaways, right? I worked and I dug through that snow because I was going to get the Hardaways, but it wasn't for me. It was so that I could show my dad that I could buy shoes even though he left. It wasn't even something my dad was concerned about. You understand? Like, my dad wasn't sitting there, like, thinking about his third son, wondering if I could afford shoes. Guys, you know how much I paid for those shoes? It was like 1995 or something like that, 1994. I paid $110 for those shoes. Now, you think to yourself, there, there were probably other needs, Dave, in your house, right? I was a dumb New York City kid, Right? And I remember my dad was visiting after like being gone for like 16 months and he's sitting in the living room. And I come in with those shoes, man, and they're in the box. And he goes, oh, what do you have there? And I said, man, I got some hardaways. My dad didn't even know what they were. <laughs> Useless, right? Useless. You know what? I was remembering about those shoes. Now remember, I wore those things all the time. I went to school, man. Everybody's like, whoa, you got the Hardaways?" Like, yeah, bro. (laughs) Bought them myself. (laughs) My money. I'm broke now. (laughs) Nobody had to know, right? I don't even have the money to afford a wallet (laughs) to put the money in, right? $110. They were supposed to be $115. The guy let me buy them for $110 cash, right? So the guy had to be kind to me for me to even afford them, right? You know what I remember about those shoes? Man, I wore those shoes day in and day out. And one time I go to visit my friend and I forgot my shoes there. So I was wearing another, like this other grubby pair. And I forgot them, not like, oh, I didn't care about them. I was like, oh, no. And he lived like an hour and a half away because I went to go visit him. He lived in Pennsylvania, went to go visit him. I left my shoes there. I came back and I said, yo, bro, where are my hardaways? And he goes, oh, I threw them out. I'm like, (laughs) well, guess there's going to be a dead man. (laughs) (laughs) But he was just like, he was older than me. And he was just like, oh, I didn't think you wanted them. And they were a little dirty. And they sat here for like a month. So I didn't think you wanted them. This was before I had, I didn't have a mobile phone or anything like that. This was like back in the day when you had to dial a phone that was attached to your house wall. Yeah. So he didn't, I didn't have any communication with him really or anything. And he's like, oh, I just, I threw them out. And I was like, what? How stupid and meaningless material things are, right? I mean, it's nice to have nice things. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have nice things, But if your eyes are only on what is on this earth and not looking up to Jesus, you're missing it. You're missing it all. I mean, God is good to us. He lets us enjoy things. We know in the book of James that all good things come from the Father who put the stars in the sky. But shouldn't my eyes be on the guy who put the stars in the sky and not the things that he's giving me? You know, so, so we see like Achan failed. And then the Lord said, hey, kind of leave those things alone. Leave those things alone. Then we see that, that Joshua says to them, you guys did really well. He actually commends them. And he says, you guys, you, the, you didn't desert your brothers. You fought hard. We talked about it last week. And he sends them on their way. And we pick up at verse six. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went home. And you know what? Sometimes when we talk about blessing, we're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, God blesses me. But you, you know, there is something beautiful about someone who, is, who has authority blessing us, right? Something beautiful about that. You know, like when my mother blesses me, I feel blessed, right? And some people are like, oh, it's only feelings. Not, not really. She's talking to God, right, and blessing me. And God hears that. She's praying over me. Or like when I've been prayed over, like when the founding pastor prayed over me, and he, and he, and he prayed that the Lord would be with me, right? I don't take that for granted. Or, you know, like when I pray over you guys at the end of the service, I'm actually praying for you guys. So, you know, being blessed is great, man. You know, like especially when it's somebody that's been faithful and they're blessing you. And praise the Lord, because God hears their prayers. God sees me. And I'm praying that God does something, right? Anything. So then, Moses, it says, so Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went home. Moses had given the land of Bashan east of the Jordan River to the half tribe of Manasseh. The other half of the tribe was given land west of the Jordan in the promised land. As Joshua sent them away and blessed them, he said to them, go back to your homes. Listen to this. Go back. He didn't just say, go back to your homes, right? He actually tells them about a blessing that they have for being obedient. So listen to this. He said to them, go back to your homes with the great wealth you have taken from your enemies. The vast herds of livestock, the silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and the large supply of clothing, share the plunder with your relatives. That's, that's pretty cool. So it kind of tells me something about God. It tells me something about God. This is what it tells me, quite simply, that God is a rewarder of good. I don't know many other people that are rewarders of good. Okay, This world is not a rewarder of good. You do good, usually bad comes upon you. Right? You ever been there? Right? You help somebody and they bite you. What are you doing? (laughs) Eat the sandwich, not my hand. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You go out of your way to help somebody, and then it bites you for trying to be kind, for trying to, you know, go out of your way. I don't, it might just be my story. But, you know, you think, oh man, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. I'm going to go do something right now. And, and you think in your head, and God will be happy with me, or God will be kind to me and bless me. And it doesn't always work out like that in the immediate effect. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if I'm just talking into the wind right now, but <laughs> it's happened to me. <laughs> you go be kind to somebody, and then all of a sudden you're sitting in court, and there's a lawsuit. <laughs> you know, online, and you're like, what just happened? What happened? <laughs> And what the Lord was putting on my heart this morning was that the world and, the, and people's flesh and the devil don't, don't like when we're obedient. They don't like when we're obedient, but the Lord does. And the Lord is a rewarder of good. He is kind. Guys, they had these vast herds. Do you guys remember what I said about Jericho, what the Lord had said, do not touch anything there? Now their hearts could have thought, oh no, we're going in, we're using all our energies, all our supplies, everything to, you know, and we're going in and God's not going to let us keep anything. How are we going to be taken care of? And you may feel like that at times when like the Lord is asking you uh, to, to give to somebody or whatever, and you're thinking, no, Lord, I got to use my energies. I got to use my time. I got to, Lord, I don't, I just don't have it. And then we see how the Lord is good on their behalf, because after that time, the Lord was like, don't worry about it. I will be good to you. I will take care of you. You just need to show that you trust me. And guys, when, when I have given in my life, you know, there have been times, like I told you before, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have that much money. I actually didn't. And, and now I know how to try to um, be a good steward with the little bit of money I have, right? I'm not saying like now I have storehouses of money. If we did, we wouldn't be sitting in an old nightclub basement. But what I am telling you is through hardship, the Lord gives wisdom, right? And it's the Lord's wisdom, not our own wisdom. It's not like something we conjured up. It comes from Jesus. But we have to remember that the Lord is the rewarder of good. Did Reuben, Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have these riches at the beginning of their obedience? Yeah? No? No. They didn't. The Lord was taking care of them. Don't get me wrong. They had already built houses on the other side of the Jordan. They had already had land for the livestock that the Lord had given them. And He, had already, he was already taking care of them. But when they started on this journey to fight for their brethren, they didn't have these vast herds, the silver, the gold, The iron, the bronze, which was a very big commodity back then. Iron and bronze. You could build things with that. Weapons, tools. And then lots of clothing. And it reminds me of the book of Matthew when the Lord says, Seek first his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you right? But do all of these things come right away, like an immediate deposit? Well, it's up to the Lord, but as far as I've seen it, no. But the Lord does tell us, if you are faithful with little, then you will be faithful with much. And what I find is that He begins to train you up, so that you know how to handle more and more and more responsibility because we love to ask for blessings, but we don't think about the responsibility that comes with those blessings. Right? Like if you think about it, if I really, really loved my, my shoes, I would have taken them home. <laughs> that was my fault, not my friend's fault. I didn't feel like that back then. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. I wasn't upset. If, if you know me, I, I try not to show that I'm upset right away. And, and I try to deal with it before the Lord. I was upset, but this guy was, you know, older than me. So I thought, you know what? I'll just let it be. I was young anyway. I had done that by just gritting my teeth and getting to work. And I find that the Lord... The Lord does want us to be industrious. He doesn't want us to be lazy, hanging out. When the Lord finds His workers, He usually finds them busy, right? When Elijah found Elisha, what was he doing? He was plowing a field. He didn't find Elisha sitting under a tree with a piece of grass in his mouth, just saying, hey man, just taking it easy. He was working hard. When Paul came across Timothy, The brothers told them how faithful Timothy was. Timothy was at work. So I find that when the Lord finds his workers and he says, come with me, they're working, right? What were Peter, James and John doing when the Lord found them? It says they were fishing. He didn't go find them in in the pub. Hey guys, hey guys, 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 sober up come on, follow me. Oh, are you rolling dice? Stop rolling the dice. Come follow me. No, let's, let's be faithful. Let's just work hard for the Lord. And then the Lord's like, hey, come here, put your dependency on me, and let's go work for the gospel. And, and what you find is that as you're working for the gospel, as you're co-laboring, you're not doing the heavy lifting. The Lord is. So he tells them, you know, God has been faithful to you. Go back to your homes with the great wealth you have taken from your enemies, the vast herds of livestock, the silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and the large supply of clothes. And then he tells them, share the plunder with your relatives. When God is good to you, be good to the people around you, the ones he's given you to take care of. We see that in the New Testament over and over again. And I would say this, and, and I've said this before, your first mission field is in your home. If you can't take care of your home, if you can't shine Jesus inside your walls, you have no business trying to shine Jesus anywhere else. Get that straight first. Work there. Work hard. You know, if you have relationship problems at home, start trying to work on those. The Lord has given us all uh, a job, and it's called reconciliation. We need to reconcile at home. I had to, with all of my brothers, and my sister, and my mom, and even my dad who walked away. I had to reconcile things, right? I had to go to my brothers and say, forgive me for who I have been, all of these years, forgive me. And guess what? That conversation still hasn't stopped because I still have to go to them once in a while and say, forgive me for who I am. I repent. I don't want to be like that. I want to follow Jesus. And one of my close friends said, you know what's nice is watching you and your brothers and your mom and everything, knowing you're not perfect, but you quickly run to Jesus right? I still have arguments. Pastor Juan and I still have arguments. You know, not before church, but sometimes before church. (laughs) But we try to sort the matter quickly. And one of the ways to do that is to look at yourself and say, I'm not perfect. I may have spoken in the wrong way. I'm not perfect. I may have done things wrong. Because my mom used to tell us, hey guys, remember, you could always say, it's their fault. They started it. And then she would always say, it takes two to tango. <laughs> right? It takes two to dance. Or I told you before, the one that always got me was like, he made me angry. And she's like, he didn't make you angry just helped reveal what was already in your heart like thanks mom can always count on you (laughs) you know but i could always count on her to tell me the truth not that i liked it or accepted it immediately (laughs) but later on i had to come and say forgive me you were right reconciling in the home And here's the other thing. This is the thing I find the hardest about reconciling and saying you're sorry and and forgiveness, is because the other party may not be there with you, or they still want to give you a couple hits when you come in. And you say, hey, forgive me. And they're like, yeah, you need it. (laughs) I'm sorry for what I did. You should be sorry for what you did. And this is what usually happens. Like the devil's waiting on the side your flesh is waiting on the side, and then all of a sudden the fight begins again. Right? You went in to say sorry, but the other, the other people didn't reciprocate your, your uh, I'm sorry, uh, forgive me, I forgive you. They didn't reciprocate that. And now you're back into the tango. You're back in for the fight, the arguments. But instead, you could remember to remain humble and not start the fight again. Those are just some simple tips that I have learned over life in living in a large family, because I had to make sure that that family is okay. And now I have a wife and children, and I have to make sure that household is okay. Not like me governing over it, but making sure that I am acting in the proper ways with my wife and with my my children. Because I've told somebody this before. One time, my kids were really little. Claire sometimes works in the evenings. And at that time, Claire usually worked on Fridays, Friday nights or whatever. And I had one daughter at the time. And they said, Dave, you're not out doing street evangelism. And I said, I got a little heathen at home. (laughs) I'll try to tell them about Jesus. (laughs) Because, Because really, the position that I had been given as pastor... Really depended on my conduct at home. Right? Read about elders in God's word. What Paul wrote Timothy and Titus, that my household and my children had to walk with the Lord as far as it it was up to me. You know what I mean? I can't do anything about when children get older and they make their own decisions. I mean you can, but it's gonna get you in trouble. Right? But like as long as it's me teaching and within my household, I need to, I need to minister there. Right? I can't be a hypocrite. I have to be the same Christian at home that I am behind the pulpit, and the same Christian that walks off this stage when you see me later on. And when I hang out with my extended family, my Jesus family, I have to be the same Christian. I can't let it be said of me that, yeah, he's real genuine behind the pulpit, but man, if you meet him in person, guy's the most whatever, whatever you've ever met. No, my reputation has to even be right with non-Christians, that they're not sitting there, yo, you know, I saw him online telling about Jesus, but man, he was in my back garden last night stealing my things. <laughs> you know, like I can't live a life like that. I have to, I have to be right. So my first mission field, my first training ground is with my family at home. And it's yours too. Paul tells us that if you can't take care of your family and you be there for your family, you're as good as an unbeliever. He's not saying you are, you have lost salvation, but he's saying you're worthless, (laughs) Like, like to the cause of Christ. So go make it right. Go make it right. So that's that, you know, share the plunder with your relatives. You know, in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, I'm not, you know, like some of you might, might have gotten really shaken when I said that God rewards good. And you guys might be like, oh, <gasps> he's speaking health, wealth. <gasps> no, nah. hard times come, man. But I know this, God is good. He takes care of us. He takes care of us. He is not obligated to give me wealth. He's not obligated. But does He provide for me? Oh yes, you better believe Jehovah Jireh provides. You know, when you break down the word Jehovah Jireh, it means the God who sees my need, the God who fills my need. And I have to remember that God is here for my need, not my greed. And it's the same for you. He's here for your needs, not your greed, does he give you the desires of your heart? You better believe it. He is good to us. And he gives us even more than our needs. But he told me that if I seek him, as it says in the New Testament, he will supply my needs. I've even tested him on it. I'll tell you about that another time. <laughs> and, and he actually did it. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. He, he fulfilled it. He did it. He took care of me. So the Lord is a rewarder of good when we are called to be obedient. But when you're called to be obedient, like I said before, don't be dismayed, disappointed, disillusioned by troubles or the battles. These guys still had to fight battles to get to this point. They, They began being obedient years before. And like I said, it wasn't like all of a sudden, cha-ching, oh, here's in your bank account. All right, you're all good. You can go back. No, as we constantly obey, the Lord is good to us. And here's our problem. We sometimes forget and we're not grateful. We are like, when I was talking to Josephine, my youngest, she's four. I mean, I mean she's really cute. And it's really hard to like, like come down on her, you know, because she's like, daddy, You know, like, but earlier this week, Josephine was complaining because she didn't get more lollipops, as she says, right? She got one. And then she got me for two. (laughs) And then she wanted three, four, five, six. And I'm like, no, man, you know, your mother's going to get home. I'm going to be in trouble because you're going to be covered in lollipops, you know? And I'm like, no, Josie, you can't have any more lollipops. And she's like, oh, but I only had two. Right? And you're like, oh, man. And she has this cute little lisp and everything. And, um, and I was like, Josie, are you grateful for the two that you had? She's like, I don't even know what grateful is, Dad. <laughs> it's like, I said, do you thank Jesus? And are you happy that Daddy gave you two lollipops? yeah, then I want you to remember that and be grateful that you got two lollipops. And don't worry about the more that you want. More will come another time. Daddy's good to you. And that's what the Bible tells us. If a daddy who's sinful can be good to their children, how much more the Heavenly Father who is perfect. And we worry and we complain. But I wanted more. And the Lord's like, but aren't you happy for what you've gotten? And it helps me to remember, I turn around sometimes in my life, and I think to myself, if I could have seen me 20 years ago, I would be like, wow, God, you're going to be good to me. Wow. Because like 20 years ago, if we were going out to eat, I'd be watching you eat. <laughs> I didn't have money. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, that looks like a really good sandwich, man. <laughs> right? That's 20 years ago. I, I didn't even have enough credit to get a credit card. And it wasn't because I had misspent on my credit. It's because they knew I was broke. They weren't going to give me one. <laughs> I, didn't have cre- I didn't have credit at all. They're just like, you do not exist. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know, my name is David. They're like, bro, you don't exist. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) The Lord is good, and we can turn around and look back and say, God, you've been good to me. Yeah, there have been some hard times. We've gone through some things, but Lord, you are so good to me. Remembering to be grateful. And you remember that they were good with their first fruits, except for Achan. The rest of them didn't touch anything in Jericho. They brought all, everything to the Lord. And then the Lord was good to them the whole time. And it's like that when, sometimes when like we're asked for giving or, or to the Lord, or things like that. Like the Lord says, hey, bring, bring your riches to the storehouse, right? And I was, when I was younger, I had trouble with tithing. I did. I had trouble with it. I don't anymore. Right? Do you know why? Because when I tithe, when I give, when I donate to to church or whatever, I'm giving it to the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, I trust you and I thank you for what you've given. So they brought their stuff to the storehouse and they were thankful. And I know sometimes, you know why I didn't give back then, was because I didn't have anything to give. (laughs) But there are other things that you can give. And that's why the Lord found me where I was, because I said, I don't have that many riches as the world thinks, but I could work with my hands. My back works, right? So when I was younger, that's what I did. I would serve, and they knew they could call on my brothers and I, and I'll push things. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And that's how I gave to the Lord at that time, and I still try to today. So then we see that the Lord asks them to be obedient and he rewards them because of their obedience. Uh, And it's not anybody else rewarding them. It's the Lord rewarding them. And it reminds me of where our first obedience lies. And you guys might think like, what what are you talking about? In Hebrews, we're told about the day of salvation. And most of us in here know the Lord. We're, We're saved right? We've been made new. And that's our first obedience, right? When God says, if you want to be right with Me, you come to Me, and you believe in the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's our first step of obedience. And the Lord rewards us immediately, and He says, To you, I've given abundant life. I mean, He gives us a whole bunch of things. It says He gives us every, well, first thing is He gives us a deposit, right? He Puts the Holy Spirit in us. And then He gives us every, we're told by Paul, that He gives us every spiritual blessing, right? And then He tells us that we have right standing, and we can come and ask of the Lord, and He hears us. And then we're told that he gives us eternal life. And that's just from our first obedience. But then he tells us, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You will obey my commands. So that as we walk, and guys, it's been a long walk for me, right? We become more and more obedient and we say, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, okay. So I shouldn't be acting in this certain way. I shouldn't be arrogant with people. Even when I'm talking to them about the Lord and they want to refute it. Humility. Kindness. Right? That I can stand there and continue to grow in the Lord as He walks with me. Following in obedience. Loving Jesus. Loving Him and loving Him. And we read that in John 14, verses 14 through 15. We can put that up on the screen if you want. And it says this, If you love Me, obey My commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate who will never leave you. And that's talking about the Holy Spirit. And this was talking before He had given the Holy Spirit. But then Paul lets us know that when we come to the Lord through salvation, we are given the Holy Spirit. And then we're told that the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same Holy Spirit in you and me. And when I'm being obedient, who's going to stop me? I have resurrection power I can call on, to help me to be obedient to God's commands. And when I look at His commands, His commands are there for me to keep me safe because He loves me. And He loves you. You know, when He's like, hey, listen, you know, don't do this and that. Listen, don't offer your bodies to prostitutes and and go sleeping around or whatever. Hey guys, that's not there for God. God somehow isn't getting paid on the side by Google for telling you that, okay? That, like God's not, that's for you. That's to protect your life, to preserve you, because He loves you. Guys, when the Lord says, hey, come follow me, and He's saddened when we don't follow Him, He's not sad because He's missing out. God is not missing out. He is whole on His own. But He's sad because you're missing out. Because you're not walking in His ways. Because you're not following after Him or because I'm not. That's why He's sad. That's why He grieves. Because He knows that you can be blessed. He knows that He can fill you to be obedient. If He is for us, it says in Romans 8, 31 through 34, if He is for us, who can stand against us? And what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. God fought for us. God continues to fight for us. So the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the rest of Israel at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. This This is where the tabernacle was set up. They started the journey back to their own land of Gilead, the territory belonging to them according to the Lord's command through Moses. So they are commended and they pick up all of what the Lord has given them, and He tells them, go back, share it with your family, enjoy it. You have been faithful. And you know, when we think of ourselves, the Lord rewards us now. I know that the Lord has been kind to me, as I have been obedient to Him. And it's not because of my obedience, it's because of God. Do you understand? Like, like he doesn't, he doesn't reward me because I'm awesome. He rewards me because he is awesome. Do you understand? Like, um, you know, I was, I was friends with this guy. The Lord had told me to be friends with this guy. And this guy was really awkward. I don't know if you guys ever met somebody like that. And if you haven't, maybe you are them. Um, So, no, but he was really awkward, right? And I was, I would be kind to him. And then he would say things to me that were not nice. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, I'm going out of my way to hang out with you. (laughs) To the point where one day we're sitting there at church. And uh, he he was a kid from Sunday school. And, you know, I just wanted to be kind to him. And he looks over at me and goes, man, I've always wanted to do this. And I said, do what? And takes the gum out of his mouth and sticks it in my hair and runs away. And I'm just sat there with chewed gum stuck. in my, And back then I had hair, right? It wasn't combed, but I had hair. <laughs> right? And, and I walked home and I told my mom, mom, you know, so-and-so stuck gum in my hair. And she's like, I'm sorry, Dave. You know, like she knew I was trying to be kind to him. And I was trying to love him when people would make fun of him and stuff. And she's like, don't worry, we'll get it out. So she had all those like <laughs> techniques to get it. Out. I mean, we tried every peanut butter, tried like putting ice on it so that it would, you know. And on that day, I shaved my head and I never had my hair back again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> make, make this story even worse. Now, nah. but you know, you sit there and you think, man, I was trying to be kind to that guy. And I don't feel any rewarding. <laughs> I feel kicked. <laughs> or gummed, or whatever, whatever he was doing. But the Lord was good. And as we grew older, I forgave that guy. Like, I forgave him right away, and we continued to hang out. And he was like, oh yeah, sorry for doing that. You know, I just always wanted to do that. You know, he was like one of these kids. You're like, okay, you know. But the Lord was good. I don't know where he is today. I prayed for him, you know. I knew him. But I know the Lord was working on me. Because sometimes we can grow weary of doing good. We can grow weary. And just like, we don't want to do it anymore. Just like, I'm done. Just so tired. Right? But the Lord gives us His Holy Spirit. So we can carry on. Even when we fail. We can carry on with the Lord's strength and His power. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. Lord, we need you. Through your strength and your power, Lord, we know we can make it. We know we can be obedient. So Lord, we just give it to you. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.